Welcome back to the party. That was a message from the government. And let me tell you, folks, you have been told about it. And that is really what's going to send you over the edge. We got one more caller, and then we're going to have to call it a call. Go ahead, caller. Hi. I thought this was an Avatar podcast. What is this about anymore? The government? All right. I got to turn that off on you right there. Let me tell you what. People coming on here trying to tell me how to run my show, how to run my mom out of the house so that I can have my independence. Let me tell you something, mister. That is going to happen. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Tune in next tomorrow when I have less to say. Ronnie, I think that was one of your best shows yet. The listenership is going up and up. Our our stock is climbing through the roof. And frankly, this is the best work you've ever put out. Uh, What are you going to do next? That's wonderful, darling. Now I'm going to smoke my camel. listeners and welcome back to chats a television podcast book three avatar the last chatsbender or the last chatsbender for short my name is magellan and these are my podcast co-hosts sneers longshot smellerby the duke pipsqueak and alan alan how's it going it's good smellerby and i are making out behind the trees <laughs> oh my god it's amazing it's a forest full of horny young kids. That was, that was Smellerby. Yes. Yeah. Every week on the show, we watch and discuss two episodes of Avatar The Last Airbender. And this week, we watch season one, episode nine, The Waterbending Scroll, and season one, episode 10, Jet. The first episode that we watched was The Waterbending Scroll, which was written by John O'Brien and directed by Anthony Lau. Alan, what did you think of The Waterbending Scroll? This was a fun one. I, I talk about this a lot on our podcast between the different shows that we've done but for some reason there are certain weeks where after we record it feels like it's been a while since we recorded the last one so for me it felt like we've been on a hiatus yeah i don't know why that is maybe because we missed that week or something but i feel similarly it just it it also helps that the last one was a two-parter so it was pretty big and now we're sliding back into normalcy somewhat and so the water mending scroll is on face value a pretty normal episode you know the gang goes to a new place and finds a thing that's going to help hang out and then they get it that's the basic gist of it however i thought the writing was really sharp and i liked the side characters a lot i think this show flourishes when it's not just its main characters that are likable and fun but it's also all the side characters like the pirates yeah i i enjoyed the swashbuckling attitude of this episode it was something a little bit different. Um, and we were talking actually before we hit record that what's fun, but also maybe a bit frustrating about this episode is that it plays with the morality of the main crew and makes them do some things that you might not necessarily think are entirely morally airtight. And it, it it's fun for an episode to be able to have. Go ahead. What? I said, was that intentional that you said airtight? Uh, no. Yes. Ah. Eh, maybe. <laughs> So it's fun for an episode to see these characters have a more high-flying, adventuresome episode. Adventure is an important part of this episode, and we start with some cute Appa moments, and they're like in uh, like a sort of small pond because Katara is trying to teach Aang waterbending. That is uh, the beginning. That's like the premise of this episode is Katara wants to teach Aang waterbending, and she knows only a couple of moves. And then they find out when they go to this new town that uh, there's a waterbending scroll for sale from some sketchy merchants. And uh, just right off the bat, when they're in that pond doing like basic waterbending, and the whole point is Katara, while she is a proficient waterbender in her own right and can do basic techniques, she doesn't like the fact that Aang is picking up on it really quickly. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that I would have would have resonated a lot more with me when I was younger 
where it's like, I know how to do something. And then as soon as I show it to someone else, they're better at it than me. But it feels it's very immature. It's very like, it's a small problem to worry about, especially considering like this was my biggest problem with Katara's arc in this episode, however small of a big problem it is. She like, she's talking to the Avatar. This is a character who can do is designed to like save the world. And she's like, oh, I don't like that he waterbends better than I do. That's unfair. And it's like, of course he does. Of course he does. He's the Avatar. He's got a natural talent. That's not your fault. You do fine. But that didn't stop me from enjoying their interplay. Uh, and it was, of course, also cut with a brief scene of them saying, oh, we're, we're going to learn waterbending. Uh, Sokka, you go in the corner and clean up Appa's poo and get all the crud out of it. <laughs> well, no, clean the gunk out of his toes. Or, you know, but like doing yeah. some like gross work and yeah. uh you're right it is gunk out of his toes i just imagined brown stuff and thought of it as poop essentially Sokka though like complains but then doesn't say he won't do it and i like that little moment of him being mature enough to be like yeah i guess that's my job <laughs> i guess i'm cleaning yeah. the toes today uh he has a, a very team oriented attitude in that way i'm gonna disagree with you i'm gonna agree with you about the way that you're outlining katara's arc but i'm gonna disagree with like saying that it's immature. I mean, I, get, I suppose it is, but I feel like that's just a very, it's probably the moment that I've like empathized with Katara the most because up until this point, we've seen her as a fairly noble character um, and somebody who has a good head on her shoulders. And we haven't gotten a chance to see her get upset. And um, this felt like a legit reason, right? It, it, Felt like it was completely driven and motivated both by the mechanics of the world and by the characteristics of Sokka and Aang. Because, you know, Aang's relationship with the the Avatar destiny is that it's cool, it's fun, but also it's a lot of pressure and responsibility and it's a little bit scary and he's worried that he's not going to necessarily be good at it. And uh, Katara's relationship with the Avatar Destiny of Aang's is it's really thrilling to be a part of the adventure, but also she has to grapple with the fact that she's not the most important person in this story. Um, and that can be challenging, especially when for her whole life, her thing, the thing that's made her special is that she can waterbend and that she's like the only person in her tribe who still waterbends. And so part of it is not even necessarily that Aang's better, um, because she knows he's the avatar and eventually he will be the master of all the elements. It's just the fact that he outpaces needing her so quickly that I think that's where her frustration is coming from because she wants to feel that she's contributing to his journey or his mission in a meaningful way. And her contributions amount to all of, you know, a minute of, well, this is how I learned how to do it after months and months and months of practice. And, and I think you're right that that for some kids that that can feel very true because they can see their peers in school or, you know, in sports, or if you play a musical instrument, your peers racing ahead of you and doing much better because, because of some sort of natural aptitude that can be really, really frustrating. And I, so I think what makes it all work for me and the reason that I was saying it doesn't get in the way of me enjoying this episode is, is the fact that the lesson of the episode isn't just, oh, you need to accept that other people do things well and that's not a problem to you. But it's also like not everybody has their own skill that they're good at. And then at the same time, just because Aang is good at waterbending doesn't mean he's objectively better than you, Katara, the character or, you know, the viewer substitute, because Aang has so much more pressure in life to deal with. So at the end of the day, if Katara is grumpy or, or perturbed at the fact that Aang is picking up on waterbending skills quickly, he still has to deal with being the avatar and getting threatened uh, for his life like every minute. And she can mm -hmm. still just be a person. So that is the part that's like the growing up story that I think is really important, which is to remember, like, just because that person across the street from you is really good at something and you wish you were that good doesn't mean they aren't dealing with their own problems. Like they all have issues because this episode ends up like splitting the conflict into three factions, which is a really fun way to make 25 minutes go by really fast is we're setting up t the gang, the G-A-A-N-G. And then we're setting up the pirates who it's like, you know, four or five dudes, all very cool, very uh, effusive. And they're trying to they're very loud and exciting and they wear earrings and lipstick. And I love it. Uh, they are like selling stuff, but it's it's kind of sketchy 
we're in this like cool i really like the space of the pirate merchant store or whatever like on their ship Mm -hmm. i like the idea of selling things out of a ship that's docked permanently that's just a cool setting to me yeah and they they sell this waterbending scroll but they're not going to sell it to the gang because it's you know on purchase from someone else for a lot more and we get that hilarious scene where ang basically says uh Hey, I'll, you know, tries to haggle with them like, oh, I'm an expert. Let me take care of this. And again, getting back to the character arc stuff, I think that moment reminds us that like Aang isn't just immortal, perfect, excellent boy. Like he's earnest and like thinks a lot of himself sometimes, but it's still like his plan. That plan doesn't work. He's like, oh, how about two coins? And it's like, no, (laughs) we're not going to sell this to you. Come on. So like the show is reminding us that like, even though he does some things really well, he's still like kind of just a kid figuring things out. He just gets lucky and right. has certain inherent skills. Yeah, he's still a goofball. And, I mean, it, it also, this show seems like it's driving at the same conception of teamwork that Buffy the Vampire Slayer draws at, uh, drives at yeah. a little bit. Because Buffy is, you know, superhero, has powers, and all of her friends, at least at first, don't. They're just normal people. Um, but she can't do it without them. That, I think, you know, you're right that... Part of the lesson of this episode is we can't look at other people's success and see our own failure because they're dealing with their own problems. And if you put hard work and effort into something, it doesn't – like you can't diminish that. You've you've bettered yourself by trying to learn something new. That's part of it. The other part of it is even though Aang is naturally talented, he still can't do the waterbending tasks that he needs to do alone. Like he can't uh, get the ship when they move the water under the ship to steal the ship. That's him and Katara together, right? And Katara whips a couple people with the water whip or whatever. So, you know, everybody is part of a team and everybody has their flaws. And the point is we're all on the same side. That I think is, is what stuck out to me. Um, I want to point out a couple lines that I really liked when they were moving towards this uh, pirate ship shop. One of them was this episode had really great, like vaguely in the background lines that characters shouted. One of them I'm pretty sure was they were walking through the city and some guy on the street was like, <laughs> I'm like 90% sure a character said that in the background, just daring people to look into a bag, which is such a hilarious nonsense uh, rabble line. And then the other one that I really liked was when they were going on to the pirate ship shop and the first pirate that they meet is like, you know, we got some curios and Ang says, what are curios? And he says, I'm not entirely sure, but we got them. <laughs> This uh, this show loves those little like background characters saying a funny thing, and they're like, "What? What did they say? What was that?" That is yeah. inherently where the cabbage merchant concept comes from. By the way, for people at home, a curio is defined as a rare, unusual, or intriguing object. In case you didn't know, hey. the cabbage merchant. Is this the Merriam-Webster's Word of the Day Dictionary podcast? What are we doing here? Oh, I'm Peter Sokolowski. Make sure to go to the Merriam-Webster.com for trending word lookups. <laughs> Two weeks in a row, same joke, same Yeah, two weeks in a row. The Cabbage Merchant comes from that idea of, like, the background character is funny. But fortunately, in this episode, it's, like, the briefest cameo. It's just, we bumped into him, his cabbages hit the floor, my cabbages, moved right along. No dwelling on it. He doesn't push the plot forward like he did in The King of Omashu. It's just there and gone. (laughs) Done. I like those sides of things, though. I'm going to try and find the uh, the bag line because I thought that was a really funny one. I remember that. Mm-hmm. Another great background line happens when um, the pirates are attacking them, I think. And one of the pirates shouts, I hope that lemur of yours has nine lives. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was yeah. like... I was thinking to myself, like, wait, I know the animals in the show are, like, combined things, but that's a lemur, not a lemur cat. Like, what? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> But I he also was like a lemur bat, yeah. right? Because he can fly, which I didn't know. Can't, can't, uh, can lemurs not fly? No, dude. Oh, all right. Well, then there you go. He's a lemur mixed they're with little, a flying squirrel. They're little buddies. They're little, they're all jumping around. Is the boom a lemur? Buddies. Yes, dude. Oh my gosh. My whole ch- uh, childhood ruined, you know? It's like. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's like some cool trivia that says like, did you know that the character of Momo was based on the American TV show, kids show, Zabumafu? Like, whoa. (laughs) They had really specific tastes back in the day. I was talking about factions earlier, and I really just wanted to briefly Uh. touch on the cool third faction, which is uh, Zuko and the boys. Because uh, in classic comedy writing style the only reason that they find ang and the gang on this island is uncle iroh is playing a little bit of pie show with the boy with the other boys on his ship he's always playing games uh yeah exactly he's a he's a gamester he's a gamer is what he is he's a real gamer <laughs> gamester pie show is really cool it's kind of like the game of it's the what's the game from knights of the old republic magellan uh pazak thank you i that was like a volleyball lob straight to you like a freebie magellan it's all yours thank you it's sort of the it's the pazak of this or the like 3d chess from actual star wars uh where it's just the sport of the or like the game board game of board game of the of the show Pie Show is a real game, by the way, is what I'm getting at. People made rule like they made rules for it, and you can play it on the internet. There is actually, I think someone tweeted at us saying, if you ever want to play Pie Show, I made a website where you can play Pie Show with people. Nice. <laughs> yeah, we'll play it, it's, it sometime. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I would love to. Um, and and so Iro needs the Lotus Tile because he has a special play that only works if he has a Lotus Tile, which is one of those lines that. Like, so it, it tells you so much about what Pi Show is that A, there is something called a lotus tile, and B, having a lotus tile means you can do some sneaky stuff. Mm. You're like, what What does that mean? Like, what is the lotus tile? What is that? I just, I'm fascinated by fictional board games. I could, like, study them forever, man. Pi Show is one of the ones that I really like, too, because it is it looks like Mahjong mixed with, like, Chinese checkers and mixed mm. with mm-hmm. all sorts of different cool things. It, it also speaks to Iroh and his priorities because on the surface, it's deceptively playful that he wants to do his game. But really what he's saying is, I want to put in extra effort to crush my opponent in exactly the way that I want to crush them. Like he's methodical. He's bent on winning. It, it seems like these are echoes of who he used to be when he was this great military general. That's a very good point. It's 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 saying more about Iroh than it inherently does or than it does at face value that he values that like cuz cuz you think of like the lotus as a flower is like a very peaceful thing but to be able to use it in sort of like a, a duplicitous way feels mm, like that's mm-hmm. Iroh's whole arc yeah. is like he seems like the nice old uncle but he could probably kill you in like two seconds yep. with his finger mm-hmm. which I love exactly. and uh, the, the only place that nearby that sells the uh, the tiles is the island that the gang is on so they go to the island and then they go oh whoa the avatar whoa 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 which twi- bo- in both of these episodes the gang accidentally stumbles into Fire Nation. And it's like, it's not even your fault. This isn't fair. <laughs> just... Yeah, they're just everywhere. Exactly. And it really, it speaks to like how prominent they are in the whole world that you can't go anywhere and not find some of them. Mm. And so we get, basically the rest of the episode is like a three-way chase where like the pirates are chasing Aang in them because they stole the water bending scroll and the Fire Nation is also chasing Aang. But then by the end, the pirates... And the Fire Nation are fighting each other, which is a really cool moment where like Aang and Sokka and Katara are like trying to run away from the cartoon smoke cloud that is the fight, which I thought was a very cool visual touch. And, you know, you get that great shot where Aang is like, I'm over here. And then like whoosh blows a bunch of air. And <laughs> there's like six dudes right, like touching him. And he goes, uh, no, I'm not here. I'm not here. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. Fantastic little moment. Again, and- they keep creatively incorporating the bending right they because they use it to to like push away a cartoon visualization of fighting which is Mm -hmm. something i find really funny and then yeah they use like you said they use teamwork and him and katara i like the way that that was animated by the way where they're both moving their hands back and forth to to get the water to cross over the boat so that it can go into the water like into the rest into the ocean water bending is like very beautiful to look at i guess because it is based on tai chi graceful and uh yeah i also we get to the best moment of the episode if you don't mind me progressing a little bit further which yeah, is so ang at the beginning they gave him the money and he goes look what i bought and he bought a uh, sky bison whistle or a bison whistle and it looks like a tiny little oppa and you're like that's cute and he blows it and nobody can hear it 
And they're like, Aang, you bought a useless whistle. Don't give Aang the money. And I forgot, but I wrote in my notes, wouldn't it be cool if the whistle, like, summoned Appa? I Mm -hmm. swear I forgot. And, you know, he does it a second time and it doesn't work. And then right when they need to be rescued because the boat is going to fall off of a waterfall. Oh, my gosh. Appa comes and saves the day and just knocks a bunch of pirates over and then rescues the gang. That was so rad it's like the music is swelling and you get this like Chekhov's whistle like oh there we go and the pirates are left to fight with the fire nation and they like keep fighting before Iroh the smart tactician is like you realize we're not fighting our enemy right now right you realize that Mm. Zuko's like getting out of a punch being like huh what what oh oh no (laughs) my target has Mm. left again this is horrible and uh I think that that basically covers it Majon what did did you have any other notes you wanted to bring up I, I had a few other notes. Um, I I really like the idea of having scrolls that detail different moves. I, I when I was watching, I in my head was, you know, making kind of the joke comparison that it's like watching when I would watch YouTube videos when I was sixteen to like learn how to tie a tie. It feels very reminiscent of that sort of pictures of each step kind of thing, and the way that Katara's like watching it, like okay. Uh, hold it up. I need uh, to look at it. No, I gotta. Uh, maybe I gotta start over and do this again. Uh, okay, but it's really a neat concept that we could be finding these scrolls that give us different moves. I, I don't know how often that's going to happen, but it gives us a way to expand upon bending and what bending can do without having to wait until we get to the bending master of the season or however it works. It's a clever way for them to be able to learn waterbending without having to like introduce because they cannot cannot show another waterbender right now. It would make no narrative sense for there to be any other waterbender. Right. But unless there, well, unless there was like a cool hermit or something that lived in the middle of nowhere. But sure. yeah, having a scroll that's like, oh, you can learn concrete abilities and it makes sense and you can learn from them. And that's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, returning to the Katara arc for a minute, I appreciated the emotional groundwork that was happening here. And I think this was a really good episode to expand upon Katara Katara and Aang's relationship and see it with one more layer of complexity. I was annoyed by the thing that has to happen in this show because it's short, which is the conflict was resolved very quickly. And in this case, it was resolved on, uh, what is that idiom? It turned on a dime. I I thought I was going to say it was resolved on the turn of a dime, but that's not quite (laughs) how the idiom works. Um, because Katara's yelling at Aang for being, you know, whatever arrogant or, or whatever it is that she's upset about. Um, however she phrases it, I don't remember. And they score it to this like weird tuba music while she's, she's giving her legitimate reasons for being upset. And then immediately she apologizes and everything's fine. And I just, I wanted to see her be upset for a little bit longer. And I wanted to see Aang apologize a little bit too. Because the episode ends with her having to like apologize to these men, you know, these two men who are like, all right, come on, apologize. We're not going to give you your thing until you apologize to us. And she was not the only one at fault for what was going on. The only line that makes me think that I realize that is, and is it, I hope this isn't the first episode, not the second one, where she's apologizing to Aang, and then she apologizes mm, to apologizes to Sokka. This might be the second episode. And then he says, also, you should apologize for this. And she says, no more apologizing. Is that the second episode? I don't remember. I think that's the first one. I don't remember. Me too. But yeah. The point... They, they're making... Katara apologize a lot. Right. And it's like she's just being a character. Like like Sokka does just as much um like overreacting and expecting things to go one way and then them working out the other way as she does. It just happens that she's the one that does a lot of apologizing. So what I was getting at is the scene where she says no more apologizing is kind of like the joke of like, oh, she does this a lot. We need to <laughs> it's getting ridiculous. Yeah. But I mean that's I don't know. That's like a a consistent issue that that women run into from what I understand, which is they're expected to apologize more than men are for their actions. Uh, and so it's frustrating in this show that, that that's going on. Totally. Uh, and but, it, yeah. I think part of the way that they can alleviate that problem is, well, a, I have another flipping woman on the main cast 
which um you know sure. it maybe someday and then also just like stop making both ang and Sokka make her feel bad when she does stuff like that because they mm-hmm. always like team up against her or like i don't know i think it's because ang is immature and then Sokka is just like a sassy brother but like they right. neither of them ever takes her side they're both just like oh yeah you gotta apologize that's bad and it's like yeah. just <sighs> guys right because it seems like when if ang is at fault Sokka's not really going to do anything about it. He might yell at him for being immature or whatever, but he's not going to force him to apologize. And then if Sokka's at fault, Aang might scold him for being brazen, but then isn't going to make him apologize. But if Katara's at fault, yeah, it seems like Aang and Sokka both are in it to establish, like reestablish their dominance or something. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. It's a weird dynamic. Um, anyway, seemed like Zuko and Katara were maybe going to kiss for a second there, and I was into it. I was oh, yeah. into that. Zuko. Just going to put a button on that. Zuko in my headcanon is ace. Zuko is asexual. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious uh, uh, how hmm. that progresses, though. I could see it. It's not as fun for me. I, I yeah, of course. I, I mean, just partly because I know where all the ships go, but I, I understand the Zuko Katara ship is kind of fun. And it's like, ooh, like they are, they do totally like almost kiss in there. The show hints at it in a canonical way, but um, there are other ones that make that are cooler to me. It's uh, it's Ang and Smellerby. Mm. I'm just kidding. Ang <laughs> and Smellerby. Uh, and then I think, la, uh, oh, Two last things. One, Zuko again has a really cool like Sherlock Holmes moment where yep. he's like, if they stole a waterbending scroll, they'll be on the water. Ooh, smart. Clever, um, clever. Clever boy. And then the other one, I think my favorite exchange of the episode is Katara has been captured. Aang and Sokka find her. Now everybody's on the beach. Pirates, Fire Nation, the gang. Um, and Katara says... Ang, this is all my fault. Ang says, no, Katara, it isn't. And then Iroh whispers, yeah, it kind of is. Kind of is. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought that was awesome. That was nice. um, but yeah, and then his whole proverb exchange is fun too. That's a fun moment. Maybe it should be a proverb, that whole thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that was that was the waterbending scroll. Do you have any fun things? Things to say, Thing, fun things to say. Uh, every I think everything I say is fun. But do you mean like, do I have fun trivia about this episode? Yeah. I do. Oh man, these are good. Okay, this is the first episode in which Ang. Wa- uh, sorry, these are from the Avatar Wiki, avatar.wikia.com. Shout outs to them. Boop, 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 boop. Whoop, whoop. This is the first episode in which Ang waterbends outside of the Avatar state. So this is the first time he does cross element bending without the help of the Avatar state. Good Ooh, stuff. I. I kind of want them to go, I guess this, the explanation is just that he's the avatar, but I kind of want more of an explanation as to why he can learn other kinds of bending and other people can't. I think it's because he's the avatar. I, I, okay. did you write that in your notes, by the way? Yeah. Because I think when I read your notes, I was like playing with that thought for a while, trying to consider, because it makes sense to me having like lived and breathed this show for a long time, but like, I don't, I can't like put my finger on why it makes sense. I because think it's it, sort of like... What's yeah. Up? Well, it's just, it seemed like part of the reason that Aang was better at or quicker to pick up waterbending than Katar expected is because he was already a, a pretty good airbender. And so, like, he understands the mind body fluidity that you need to have to bend, right? Like, at a basic level, he has fluency with his physicality and with the concept of, of bending the elements to your will. So, it would make sense to me. That maybe the Avatar, it's much easier for the Avatar to master all four elements. But like, why can't an old wise master of fire learn how to move his or her body in a different way to also master air? I don't know. That's that's what I was wondering. I would love to hear fan explanations for that or like listener explanations of that. There, it, it has to make sense in some way. I sort of think of it as like, because all of them are based on physical movements, as, we, as we've discussed before. Imagine like everybody can do Tai Chi, but like only certain people can do Tai Chi in a way that like feels like, oh, you are doing it in a way that like you are med- you are in a meditative state. You have achieved a certain type of flow state and your mm-hmm. mind is of a certain caliber that you can do the full extent of each of those movements. And then it's also it's that and so the avatar what i'm getting at is the avatar is the only person who can do that with all four elements and then also um it's partly i think a genetic thing i think you like know the bending that your family knows what if you your mom is 
a firebender and your dad is an earthbender. Well, maybe that's going to happen someday. Hey. All right. Hey, I'm hey. I'm on board. Prince Zuko makes a deal with the pirates to track down their scroll in exchange for their help. Coincidentally, Dante Basco, the voice actor for Zuko, played the character of Rufio, the leader of the Lost Boys in the film Hook. Whoa. I haven't seen Hook. I always wanted to. It looks fun. I haven't Rob- seen it either. Robin Williams is in it. Yeah, apparently it's like a thing that white people notoriously love or something. Sure, why not? They like a lot of things. Okay. This episode is one of the two episodes. <laughs> this is the best trivia. This episode is one of two episodes in which Zuko laughs. What? <laughs> it's true. The other being way later. Zuko rarely laughs in the series because he's so often angry and ill-tempered. That's true. That's it's a huge so deal when funny. That's so yeah. funny. Wow. He never laughs. He smiles when he sure. kills the Avatar in the final episode and, and then Aang dies in his hands. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Come on now. Uh, no, that's not true. This is one of the few episodes where <laughs> graphic censoring is done. You may remember, I think, last week. Yeah, la- literally last week. Winter Solstice Part 1 where Iroh gets up naked. The yeah. second instance is in... Uh, the waterbending scroll when the pirates are riding away and one of them tries to moon Zuko. I think that's the cool makeup one mm. that I like mm-hmm. so much. Censoring. No more nudity for the rest of the show. Yay. Yay. I love not nudity. <laughs> Speaking of nudity, I think it's pretty naked and bare how much I, uh, I'm excited to discuss the second episode. <laughs> what a Bingo. You got a bingo card. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Ding, 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 let's ding. take it to me too the, man the, thanks man let's take it to the airbag it's called the airbag that's the one it's the bag of air you inflate it with air and you deflate it and that's what it's called folks and we'll be right back to discuss jet hello listeners and welcome to the airbag for episode five of the last chat spender that's right it's the airbag Apologies for last week and my mistake of mistakenly making the mistake to call it the Moya Bag. That was a mistake. That's uh, actually, for people who don't know, that's the name of this segment in its original incarnation when we were talking about Farscape. So a little bit of trivia for you and a little bit of a snafu for me. me. I couldn't make that rhyme. Anywho, it's, it's the airbag. It's where I read the feedback. It's a good time. We got tweets. We got one from our buddy Dax, who mentioned what I just said, and also took a guess and said that Midsummer's Night's Dream was the story that had Pip in it. Uh, I realized it like as I was recording last week's airbag. Pip is a character from Great Expectations. I only know that because I watched Farscape and one of the main characters calls another character Pip sometimes in reference to Great Expectations. But good guess, Kat, Dax, and everyone go read some Charles Dickens. Go read books. The other tweets we got this week for were from an account called at Scud Pie Show, who says, Nice podcast, guys, though with some of the details and questions that come up, it could help to have an endlessly rewatched expert, which I I mean, thanks. If you want to be on our podcast, you let us know. We'll, we'll see what we can do. But uh, I've watched the show more than once. I feel like I know enough stuff. I don't know if I'm missing that many big details. And then but the interesting thing is they also followed up and said, let me know if you want to play Pie Show after it comes up in the next episodes, which it does in the first episode we just talked about. Pie Show, for people who don't remember, is the fictional board game that Iroh's way into with his lotus tiles and whatnot that he finds in his sleeves. So, scudpieshow.com, S-K-U-D-P-A-I-S-H-O.com is a website where, and I haven't actually looked at this yet. I think I, like, described it and then didn't open it. Yeah, you can play Pie Show over the internet with people it's pretty rad that's a cool website people should check it out if you're interested in that game that ira's into moving on to emails dax sent us a more fully fledged fully thought out email which is actually shorter than his usual ones over at chatspot at gmail.com and he said greetings alan magellan i hope this i get this one in on time just on time dax you seem to forget that we like to put out episodes later than we plan to uh, what I've been doing during my first watch through Avatar is watching two episodes of the week once just to enjoy them and then watching them a second time to write notes to send in. But I've been dealing with a sick cat past few days and I only just now watched them. And I'm going to quickly write out my thoughts, so this will be a short one. I hope your cat is doing alright, Dax. Let's all uh, hold out for Dax's cat. First, in the waterbending scroll, my first thought is how the name reminded me of the Xena Scrolls, an episode of Xena that I just rewatched, but don't worry, way different type of show. Katara is still stepping up to be Aang's teacher, even if she became a hothead to do so. I kept waiting for them to show that she was under a spell from staring at that stone monkey thing in the pirate ship, but they never did, so I guess she really was just jealous. 
seems sort of out of character for her. It was pretty obvious to me as they were leaving that she had stolen something, but I was expecting it to be the monkey. Sokka seemed a little too eager to be talking into cleaning Appa's toes. Bison foot fetish? Oh, there go those cabbages again. Appa gets to save the day, but still by being a transport. Why did Uncle find his missing tile in his sleeve? Why is he hiding it there to cheat at? Whatever that game was called. It's Pie Show. Dax, I love these like rapid fire, just bullet point notes. They're great. And again, we're all watching the show together. Some of us for the first time. And nothing beats that. It's such a collaborative thing we've got going on here. We're all friends. Now on to Jet. Gotta say, not a big fan of this one. Hey! Going back to Xena, a show about two independent women on a journey, in the early seasons there was always what we fans called the Boyfriend of the Week, which was a random dude guest who would tempt one of the ladies only to turn out to be not so great, which is basically what Jet was. I didn't like him from the start and I'm not sure if I was supposed to. You probably weren't, Dax. But it was no shock that he turned out to be bad. Indeed. Katara again seems out of character falling so easily for the sleeves. Indeed. Sokka really got uh, tricked this episode. Indeed, <laughs> what should have been a big strong character point for him when he saved the people got told in images and still flashbacks. Yes, way to play down here a moment. I'm a little pissed at the writers for this. So we totally talk about exactly what you're mentioning here in the discussion you're about to hear about that episode. However, I don't blame the writers for that. I think it is partly a matter of time and partly just an animation thing. Uh, I don't think that like it's not the writer's fault that that, that scene just kind of like falls flat because they ran out of like animation. I don't know why it is. I think it's partly a uh, creative choice to be like, oh, when you recount a story, like we don't have to show that. That's just like all in Sokka's recounting. Like he doesn't need to, we don't need to see that. But I want to see it. I want to see Sokka be the hero he claims to be. And I kind of agree with you in that sense, Dax. That's all I got first watch. Looking forward to your thoughts as always. Thank you, Dax. Yeah, it's, it's starting to become funny how much our viewpoints line up exactly with the listeners because we try to, I think part of the philosophy of ChatSpot is to like take the opinion of the show that you know is like really easy and then like think about it and break it down and reconsider it because like for just as a concept, like who in 2017 is doing a podcast about Avatar The Last Airbender? What is relevant about that show in 2017? Now, those are the questions that we try to answer, and that's why we're doing it. It's because it's like, it doesn't inherently make sense. You could say, like, you know, if, if we wanted to do a Farscape podcast now, now that Guardians of the Galaxy 2 is coming out, and Ben Browder is, like, one of the main villains in that movie, which I'm very excited, Mitchell and I are going to watch it, and we're so excited, then that would be a, li- that'd be a little bit on the nose. Or if you did a Freaks and Geeks podcast right before the reunion, that'd be super on the nose. It's, it's why, you know, we considered, like, doing the uh, Twin Peaks the cult classic show because the new season starts uh, very soon I think within a month from this episode or so but we both just watched it like a couple years ago for the first time weekly actually and didn't podcast it and we don't need to be the people to do another Twin Peaks podcast there's already like a lot of good ones if you're looking for one I I recommend both uh, the podcast called Diane and podcast called Twin Peaks Rewatch those are both very good shows anyways yeah, so we're trying to do shows that don't necessarily fit into what the people are talking about and then find something interesting and relevant to discuss, which I think Avatar so far has paid off in spades in that respect. So with that in mind, I'm going to stop rambling about television and whatnot. And I'm going to say, well, first of all, I hope you all have had a good weekend. I'm sorry if this episode goes up really late. Uh, we're going to try and keep on schedule. You know we're trying. You just know it. But things are so hard. That scheduling is hard. It's why we never say on the website or anything. There's no official text that says we try to release on Sunday mornings. That's just the goal. If we're missing Sunday mornings, then you know that, you know, we were just really busy or something came up. But we're never, we try never to be too, too late. So hopefully this goes up soon and you enjoy it. And then I'm going to send it back to Majan and Alan as they discuss the critically panned dumb episode of After the Last Airbender. Jet. Welcome back to The Last Chatsbender. The second episode that we watched this week was Season 1, Episode 10, Jet, written by James Egan and directed by David Filoni. Alan, what did you think of Jet? Oh, Dave Filoni, why you gotta keep disappointing me with the mediocre episodes? Yeah, the animation in both of these was not the best. That's true. I, I don't it's, know. I think they have an A team and a B team on the show. Both for the writing and well, the writing is mostly a couple people, but for the animation, definitely. Like they outsourced a lot of it to Korea, 
if I'm not mistaken. And um, yeah, there's definitely like different qualities of episodes visually. It's like the faces specifically and the way that certain things move. It's like they, they're skipping for We could talk a lot about the specifics of it, but yeah. No, about Jet though, I uh, I expected this episode to be a lot worse than it was. I remembered hating it. Mm. And with good reason, I think that it does a lot of terrible things with Katara. And the character of Jet himself is one of the worst things in Avatar The Last Airbender. However, it is, like, as a setting, very fascinating to see young people and how they fight back against the Fire Nation. And also, his, like, married band of adventurers, the Lost Boys, are probably my favorite side characters up until this point they are they all immediately all have such personality and, and and intentional design that i love and want to see more of jet himself and the plot surrounding him and his whole goal goal his goals in this episode is like not mm, very interesting yeah i agree just the, the character of jet i found super grating um i think part of it was the voice acting was it just it felt Every line that Jet said, and I wrote this down, sounded like the filler dialogue from a 2000 Spider-Man computer game. Oh, my God. It really rubbed me the wrong way. And then, yeah, the Katara stuff super duper bugged me because they almost got to have a Katara episode where we see her as a multidimensional character who has flaws, who has things that she's working on. And who still maintains a sense of overriding dignity and purpose. And then here, she's like crushing on a boy real hard. And they don't really redeem that at all. I don't know. It, it was frustrating. Speaking of bad video game dialogue, uh, I wanted to look up who was the voice of Jet. Because this show does have, especially coming in, in the future, a lot of like really famous talented voice artists but the actor who plays jet crawford wilson which by the name by the way i need to write down for our like list of cool rpg character names crawford wilson is amazing he is his avatar wikia page says crawford wilson is an american actor and voice actor known for playing jet and as well as the character of soggy in the nintendo gamecube rpg baton kaitos origins so he was in fact a video game npc (laughs) And I have not heard of that game, so there you go. It's just, it's flat. It's very, like, and the problem is also that his ethos in this episode is very basic and 101, just like, the Fire Nation is bad and we need to take them out. It's for the greater good. Like, I, Majel and I both went to the same high school, and we, for some reason, like, I know multiple people from our high school that remember in either social studies classes or other classes, the concept of the greater good constantly being brought up as, like, uh, narrative motivation for ca- for characters and for historical figures like oh this character did mm. it for the greater good and it's like what does that mean why why does mm. in the case of someone like Jet why does like flooding an entire village to get rid of a group of Fire Nation people why is that worth the death of like hundreds of people why is how does that work in your head right we you know I I don't I don't mean to rag on the voice actor too much since I think this equally falls on the writing, which you're right, um, is so across the plate archetypical to the point that the episode, when it like resolves the issue of him wanting to kill the whole village and Sokka saves everybody, it doesn't even show us that. Sokka just tells us about it and we see some like wood carvings of him saving everybody as if the episode is saying, yeah, we knew that you knew what was going to happen, so you don't need to see it. He He's just a... Jet's just a bad guy who's misguided. We don't need to really examine that any, any further. And that's disappointing because the show has shown that it can really examine and complicate its villains and make us uh, empathize with them. Like Zuko is a hashtag bad boy teen for sure he's got a he's got a cool face scar and he's always yelling at his (laughs) uncle like he's way more uh, a developed version of what jet is supposed to be that it's frustrating that jet 
exists in the way that he does. So the plot of the whole episode is like they go to this place and there's these lost boys that live in the trees and it's Jet leading a crew of a bunch of boys, including uh, Smellerby, who he brought up as just fantastic character naming convention. So good. Like unbelievable. Very good. cool androgynous kind of like war paint, long hair, looks like they could eat you alive, kind of like small but deadly character. And then you got Pipsqueak, who's ironically big in a really... One of my favorite comedic moments from the episode, for sure, which is... My name is Jet, and these are my freedom fighters. Sneers, Longshot, Smellerby, the dude, and Pipsqueak. <laughs> Pipsqueak, that's a funny name. You think my name is funny? It's hilarious. <laughs> that's so good that's just like ang can be positive and that doesn't like put off people it's just like oh you're just kidding we're all having fun who cares like <laughs> you're not insulting me clearly yeah this episode did have a few fun moments of um comedy like that so it, it wasn't like an across the board disappointment for me i think it like it's centralized in the jet character and then everything around that I actually had fun with, including, yeah, this, this lost boys crew, the freedom, the freedom fighters jet also, well, like when he's introduced, you know, they're the gang is like, Oh, we need to get off of Appa because Zua keeps finding us because when he sees us in the sky, we're like an easy target. So we're going to go walking. And then two seconds into walking Sokka's instincts, walk them right into a fire nation camp. And they're like, uh, seriously, (laughs) this is unfortunate. And we get this probably like the coolest action scene, of the episode just because there aren't many which is the lost boys the freedom fighters like come out of the trees and eliminate swiftly every single one of the fire nation soldiers there um in a way that doesn't doesn't have to be violent it's just like intense for a couple seconds and uh mm-hmm. like jet feels vi- like he visually looks like he was drawn as concept art and then they made him into a character because so much of his like visual design if you'll allow me to talk about that kind of stuff is like yeah it makes sense to look at it as a drawing but like why would a character do that he always has a piece of straw in his mouth which is silly he has chain swords but are like they're like hook chains which again looks very cool and allows him to like pull and throw people but Mm -hmm. is like not extremely practical it kind of lets him go through the trees though and he's just got like this cool he's got like a pretty boy look he's i wrote in my in my notes that he is some sort of bishonen which is a japanese word that means like handsome pretty boy and he's just like the definition Mm -hmm. of a bishonen because he's just cute and has very sharp edged features because he's also edgy yeah i i think that's a great um way to think about it that he's a character that looks good drawn but not in motion i had the same thought about the little twig in his mouth i figured like doesn't that get soggy I tried doing that as a kid. I tried to like put a twig in my mouth so that I would look cool. I think it might have been partly because of this episode (laughs) now that I think about it. But I have a distinct memory of like being on a lake as a kid and being like, ooh, a piece of straw. Let me chew on this. And now I'm cool looking. And it's like, no, now it just sits in my mouth and I don't know what to do with it. Yeah. And yeah, Um, Katara falls for him. Oh, just just, um, a funny moment from earlier in the episode that I forgot to bring up. Um, that I think we should just drop in literally 30 straight seconds of audio from this episode because it was such a fun exchange. It starts with Sokka talking about how he's not the boss, he's the leader. Um, and then he and Katara have this back and forth. I know you all want to fly, but my instincts tell me we should play it safe this time and walk. Who made you the boss? I'm not the boss, I'm the leader. <laughs> you're the leader? <laughs> but your voice still cracks. I'm the oldest, and I'm a warrior, so I'm the leader. If anyone's the leader, it's Aang. I mean, he is the Avatar. Are you kidding? He's just a goofy kid. He's right. Why do boys always think someone has to be the leader? I bet you wouldn't be so bossy if you kissed a girl. I've kissed a girl. You just haven't met her. Who? Gran-Gran? I've met Gran-Gran. No, besides Gran-Gran. Look. My instincts tell me we have a better chance of slipping through on foot, and a leader has to trust his instincts. Okay, we'll try it your way, oh wise leader. Who knows? Walking might be fun. Walking stinks! All those lines are fun, and like I think Sokka has great things to do in this episode in terms of like being not afraid of Jet, but being hesitant from minute one. Because he says, oh no, we can't stay tonight, but 
Jet plays immediately into his hubris and says, Oh, but Sokka, I need you for a nighttime scary mission. Who's going to help me kill people? Right. Sokka's like, Oh, I love killing people and doing missions. And then at the same time, Jet finds his way into the smack dab in the center of Katara's heart. And there's that like really bad scene where I think, I mean, it's a joke right where it like he hugs katara and then she blushes and then it like plays romantic music and slows down that's a joke obviously but it still happens it is it is but it's a joke that only plays in anime i think yeah like it it doesn't play in a cartoon like this because you know an anime like I mean, different anime have different kind of animation styles and different ranges of of how histrionic they get with with animation. But, you know, by and large, in anime, you can have moments where you animate emotions in an exaggerated way for comedic effect, and it's normal to do. And this show doesn't do that. Like, it, it has a more realistic approach to how it depicts its characters and their emotions. And because of that, this like the blushing thing doesn't play as funny it just plays as katara has a pure weird ridiculous crush on this boy she makes him a hat man yeah which is another just like corny (laughs) it's a corny shot but she's like i made him a hat and then what what i so here's the thing here's like the part of the reason why i like this episode more than i remember liking it is it gets dark in a way that I don't remember, like very quickly. Be- oh yeah, I wrote down it gets uh, too dark, too <laughs> furious. So, it's timely uh, considering the fate of the Furies is now in theaters. Uh, it starts like the first hint at bad things happening is Sokka and Jack go on that aforementioned nighttime mission, and it's to scout out a path in the forest where an old man is walking down the road, and. Uh, Jet like attacks the man, knocks over his cane, and threatens his life, and then has like the other guys beat him up. And you're like, "This is horrible!" Like Sokka immediately realizes you're beating up innocent people for this just because he's wearing Fire Nation robes. The man says he's innocent, yeah. and Jet straight up lies to their faces later and says, "Oh, but look, Sokka, he had a knife with poison that I definitely didn't make right now, <laughs> like two seconds, because yeah, I bought it at a craft mm-hmm. store and made it myself." Um, and then when Sokka tries to tell Katara and Aang, they say, we want to hear Jet's side worst, of the story. Worst. Why don't you Ugh, trust your brother? He's it, your you brother. Yeah, he's your literal brother. <laughs> In the- Why would he lie about that? Exactly. Because she says, you're just jealous of Jet. And it's like, what What do you mean you're jealous of him? What would, be- what would being him allow you to get that you're like, oh, I wish I was like Jet and that I was handsome? Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, she says, because uh, Jet's like a real leader. That's and they talk about how jab. Sokka, like, follow your instincts, follow your instincts. And then he, his instincts, like, take them nowhere. Why don't you ask Sokka's instincts? They seem to know everything. Haha, <laughs> very funny. I'm tired of carrying this pack. You know who you should ask to carry it for a while? Sokka's instincts. That's a great idea. Hey, Sokka's instincts, would you mind? Okay, okay, I get it. Look, guys, I'm tired, too. But the important thing is that we're safe from the Fire Nation. And so, like, that's the joke. But it's true. Like, Sokka is a good leader. Sokka has the ability to improvise. He's kind of a John Crichton in that he is a leader who can say, uh, this will work. I don't know. Maybe. And then that works out. And things tend to fall in line with how he does that. Because what we later realize where it truly gets dark is that the reason that Jet wants Katara and Aang to stay is so that they can fill the reservoir so that we can, you know, put clean clean up the forest in case they try to burn it down. Uh, no, no, that's not what we're going to use the water for. We're going to use it to destroy a village. Uh, yeah, with, with, to drown everyone. <laughs> and to bring, <laughs> referring back to last week, biblical reckoning <laughs> to this village. Yeah, And, um, I mean, the best thing about that like the reason the reason I was like, Well, this is great. It works. It happens. It doesn't kill a lot of people. It doesn't kill yeah. anyone, obviously, because they get away, but they try to stop him and it doesn't work because they realize, uh oh, this is what's happening a little bit too late in that funny moment where Jet's like, uh, don't follow me. 
And then Katara's like, all right, we'll follow you. <laughs> Follows him, finds out he's horrible, <laughs> is horrified and sad. And then they're like, oh, we got to stop him or else he's going to also kill my brother. Yeah. Aang says, I'm not going to fight you, Jet. And I just wrote down, why? That's, you need to. He's the opposite why of you. Not? It's your job to fight people like him. Uh, but that is cool that the dam blows up because there is no doubt in the viewer's mind that if Sokka had not been wise to Jet's game, all these people would have been dead. It's only because of Sokka that these people's lives were saved. Speaking of Sokka, he actually ends up saving the day. In that moment that, like you said, felt very, very rushed, like they ran out of animation time or something, because no. like Jet busts open the dam, the dam floods the village. You're like, oh my god, people are dead. And then Sokka comes in and, yay, he says, everyone's fine. I rescue them. Here's how I did it. And then we get this cut to these like still shots of people not trusting him but then he talks his way out of it and gets them to all run away and like before we know that there's a shot of the water flooding the town and a doll floats over the water and you're like oh this is a lot this is a lot avatar the last airbender you need to chill yeah Yeah. and then because it's a funny show for kids as soon as we find out that everything is okay a girl picks up the doll and goes Which is a really good name for a doll, Mrs. Pretty. Uh, I think I wrote, oh yeah, I wrote here also. It's really narratively convenient that the reason that they believed Sokka is not just because he's a good liar, or not a good liar, but like a good talker. It's because he was the only one who was nice to the old man. And so the old man vouched for him, which like, it feels like something out of like an Aesop's fable or it's like, oh, if you're nice to your elders and someday that's going to pay off in a really spe- specific way. There you go. That, yeah. And it would have been more satisfying if we saw it happen instead of him being like, remember the old man, by the way? Yeah, I talked to the old man and he liked me still. Because I didn't want to kill him. It just, yeah, it was just a lame way to close things out. I will say I really loved Sokka's delivery of yip yip when they're getting on Appa and leaving Jet behind. Um, it just he really crushes it with the delivery on that line. The sort of world weariness, responsibility. It's yeah, it's yet on. again episodes ending with them riding away on Appa in really cool, satisfying ways. Also, Katara froze him. That was pretty huh, cool. Jalen. <laughs> That's a good one though. Thank you. All right, trivia time. <laughs> She totally does. Take it You're away. Right. Yeah, I, I imagine she not only has water abilities, but that can be ice abilities because water is ice. And also, she was surrounded by ice for most of her childhood. Bada boom. Thanks, Dave Filoni. But then water can also evaporate into air. So what's, what's the, deal, the difference? Okay, trivia time. Some of these are not interesting, so I'm not going to read them. Avatar Good. Extra stated that the fight between Aang and Jet in the trees. Oh, sorry. I got it. I need really need to start reading the trivia beforehand because then I get fascinated by it during the reading. Avatar Extra stated the fight between Aang and Jet in the trees was inspired by the Naruto and Samurai Champloo anime. As much of the fighting in Naruto takes place oh. in forests with trees at least six stories high. So we got a bunch of weebs in the audience or on the crew. <laughs> Except Samurai Champloo is like the best Samurai anime Shampoo ever. Samurai Champloo is so that's pretty fine. awesome show. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Jet is the second episode in the series whose title consists of one word, the other one being imprisoned. So, so long for mm. that trend. Uh, when Oh, that's yeah, it? Yeah, that's it. There's no other one word episodes. That's funny. Okay, when Sokka was waiting with Jet in the trees, he used a dagger to detect the old man down the road. Oh, right, because he puts the dagger in the tree. Oh, that was clever. That was very clever. Sneers is the only named freedom fighter who does not talk or make him a, re- a reappearance. So... Uh, if you liked the side characters from this episode, uh, they all come back because uh, you can kind of immediately tell that they're too cool and too interesting to not reuse in some way. Right. They spent too many hours crossing other names off of a whiteboard they came to, Smellerby. to not use these guys again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jet's hideout is similar to Peter Pan's and Hook, and then they just connect that trivia like they did in the first one again. <laughs> this person likes Hook. Uh-huh. This is the first episode where Katara uses her ice breath. Wow. 
Wow. Oh, hey, here's one. Here's a good one. Jet's design, specifically his hair, seems to be loosely based on Spike's design from Cowboy Bebop. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I'll take it. Huh. Um, That's true. I think, but Spike has like such perfect big hair that crosses over a lot of his head, whereas uh, Jet just has like a floof. It's much cleaner right. than Spike's. Um, mm-hmm. Dave Filoni designed, oh, this is good. Dave Filoni designed the forest and Jet's hideout. He's a huge fan of Star Wars. Aww, that's cute. He ended up becoming the story head writer on Star Wars. Yay. Yay. You can follow your dreams, kids. Anything can happen, and then you can it write did, on Star it Wars. It did have an Endor. It did have an Endor vibe. <laughs> right, right. The forest is a reference to the Endor, the Ewoks village. And in the original sketches of the hideout, he even referred to the middle section of, of the trees as the Ewok area. Uh, whereas the Avatar Extras thing says the forest was based on House of Flying Daggers. I think it's both. I think it's exactly mm-hmm. both. Um, yeah, that about does it. That last three is really nice. That just made me happy. Hey, Alan, you know what makes me even happier than trivia? What's that, John? Hearing the summaries of the episodes that we're going to watch for next week. Yes. So that I can think about the trivia that I could hear in the future. Oh, we got fun ones coming up, folks. Oh, yay. Both of these are great. Oh, I'm happy. All right. Next week on Avatar, The Last Chatsbender, we're watching Season 1, Episode 11, The Great Divide. On their way to the North Pole, Aang and company find two groups of squabbling refugees. Uh, I think I want to use these preview discussion, these preview little segments as a chance for me to re- talk about just what I remember about the episodes. Um, this one is very funny. Okay. It has some of my favorite jokes, and also it's like a very simple kids' show plot. It's just like, you know, the two tribes they argue over basic stuff, but we learn to make them get along, that kind of thing. Yeah, it's pretty straightforward. The second episode we're watching is uh, season one, episode twelve, "The Storm." A powerful storm brings up painful memories of the past and puts everyone in jeopardy Ooh. in the present. Uh, this is. I'm into this it. is a pretty oppa heavy episode. This is a bit of a sad episode, um, but it's a good one. It's a very satisfying one. Uh, and then, yeah, and then we're pretty much cranking through the second half of season one. But first, it's time for some plugs. You can email us over at chatspod at gmail.com. We love receiving emails from the listeners. You can tweet at us at chatspod or on twitter that's c-h-a-t-z-p-o-d and you can tell me that i accidentally called the airbag the moya bag last week and uh (laughs) if you like us if you love us if you think we're cool and interesting go ahead and like drop us a review on the itunes we love uh getting reviews we love five stars one stars whatever you think is right (laughs) i'd prefer a five star to be honest with you yeah me too yeah um don't listen if you think it's one star just go right. outside. Please don't listen to this podcast if you hate it. Eat a pizza don't... or something. Exactly. Or eat a pizza while listening to it so we get the listener numbers. Thank you. Thank you. And then send us a pizza. Majon, what's our address? Our, you can send that pizza to Pizza Box 316-556-806. Road. <laughs> Road. <laughs> I think I just gave a phone number that could be a real person's phone number i really that, I, I really wish you said pizza box i did i didn't hear you the skype lag made it hard <laughs> well you can listen to the episode and feel like a right fool because i did say pizza box a straight <laughs> straight fooly fool yeah all right straight fooly cooly oh next podcast fooly cooly no that's for another yeah, podcast. that'll be a, that'll be a quick one yeah it's a it's a it's a one and done uh Anyways, yeah, you can also, I did the main show, you can, uh, that's it, I, I'm, I'm off the grid, there's not really much way to contact me. Magellan, tell people about what you got going on in the world. I'm on the grid, baby. You gotta, I'm gonna fill up this hole, you're gonna have to turn the page in your li- your lined scientific notebook because I'm filling up the grid. Here's, here's the deal. First of all, I'm on Twitter at Just a Fluke, that's J-O-S-T-A-P-F-L-U-K-E. Second off, I'm starting... A brand new podcast project. <gasps> I released the trailer by the point that you're hearing this episode, assuming you're listening to it on release. And this coming Tuesday, I'll be releasing the first full episode of my new podcast, solo podcast, called Adulthood. And here's the pitch. You know that movie Boyhood? 
that movie that took 12 years to film, what if somebody took 12 years to make a podcast about it? And what if that was me? And what if the way that I did it was I watched 15 seconds of the movie Boyhood every week for 12 years and reviewed that movie 15 seconds at a time and also talked about my life and uh, how I age from age 23 to 35. And that's the show. It's the best idea for any podcast since chat spot to be honest with you um thank you for being honest with me so yeah check it out you can find it on, on itunes just search adulthood um it's not that show that's called adulthood made easy it's the one that's called adulthood and the cover art is like a cool baby toddler with a crown who's me that's me <laughs> it's you can myself, also find it my visage uh, yeah you can also find the show at adulthood.simplecast.fm Whew. good stuff yeah everybody listen to adulthood it's it's gonna be the greatest project of our lives collectively, maybe. <laughs> um, that's a lot. I don't want to put that much pressure on you. I'm sorry. It's probably gonna be a lot of fun. Yeah, please don't. It's it's probably gonna have its dips and its non dips. Just like adulthood and boyhood. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much, listener, for listening to this episode of Avatar: The Last Chatsbender, and we hope you'll join us next week on an all new adventure.